Think of any day that we celebrate something in the world. A birthday, an anniversary, 4th of July, graduation. Each one is primarily a, a celebration or a memorial of what has happened up to that point, right? But also with each one, there is the hope for what's going to happen from now on forward. With an anniversary, the hope is that the couple is, is what? Going to stay together and they're going to have many more. With a birthday, the hope is you're going to have more also. With a graduation, the hope is that you uh, go off to college or whatever vocation you choose and that you can make a difference and everything goes well for you. In the church, Pentecost is probably the chief example of a celebration that's marking a, a looking forward. Pentecost is often called the birthday of the New Testament church. But it's more than a recognition of what has come before, but what's to come now? On this day, 50 days after Easter, the Holy Spirit was poured out on Jesus' disciples with the sound of a mighty rushing wind with tongues of fire resting on each one of them. The Holy Spirit came and gave them godly courage and the heavenly words to declare to all people. All those gathered who heard the mighty works of God proclaimed in their own language. And they wondered, what does this mean? And Peter told them, he told them that Jesus of Nazareth, who was unlawfully crucified and killed by them, but God had raised him up and seated him at his right hand. The people were, were cut to the heart, Acts tells us. They had killed the Son of God. What was their future like now? But Peter said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promise is for you and for your children and all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God will call to himself. Their future wasn't uncertain. Even though they had crucified Christ, they didn't have to worry what God thought of them. If he had forgiven them in Christ, he had. And the Holy Spirit was here to testify of that, to bring them the forgiveness of their sins. And then, 3,000 of those who heard his words were baptized. 3,000. Not quite the attendance of breakfast on the farm, but, but getting up there. That must have been an amazing day. But that was not the only day that the Holy Spirit was active. No, he's still active. He's active because every day, despite your sin and despite my sin, despite what would otherwise cause us to doubt our heavenly future, the Holy Spirit still brings us forgiveness, and with that forgiveness, life and salvation through Jesus Christ even today. That's why we celebrate this festival, this birthday of the New Testament church each year, and why we thank God for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit who has brought the light of Jesus to our dark hearts and life to our souls. And so having this heavenly fire of the Holy Spirit let us now rise to sing our festival verse, O Holy Spirit, enter in hymn 184, verse 1.
The text for our sermon is from Joel chapter 2, verse 28 to 32. We read as follows in Jesus' name. After this, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions, even on the servants, both male and female. I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will show warning signs of the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and terrifying day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there will be deliverance, as the Lord has promised, among the survivors whom the Lord calls. And we pray. Heavenly Father, sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. Everything you want and need to know about the church, about its beginning, its life, and its end here on earth, is right here in Joel 2. And the amazing thing about Joel 2, I think, is that it really isn't about the church or its people at all. It's about Jesus and the work of the Holy Spirit. And on the day of Pentecost, that's what we're celebrating, the work of the Holy Spirit and the birth of the Christian church. But I would say that the most popular way to read Joel and, and really all of Scripture is, is to make it not about Jesus or the work of the Holy Spirit, but all about the church, all about us, all about me. I want to start at the end of our lesson at verses 30 to 32 because, let's be honest, to most people, these verses are the most interesting. They're about the end of the world. Joel prophesies of warning signs in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood, but Mount Zion and Jerusalem will be delivered. Now, you can find no shortage of apocalyptic YouTube videos explaining how the end of the world is nigh. Because, what, just in the last two years, we've had multiple blood moons and super blood moons and full eclipses and, and whatnot. And so they say, look around. See, it's clear from Joel that the end of the world must be beginning now. Now, you combine that with the prophecy from Matthew's Gospel, which sounds very similar to Joel's, where Jesus says... And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. And what you get are terrified Christians who think it's up to them to help the Holy Spirit evangelize the world and make Jesus return. And some go further, and they, they read into Joel where he says, On Mount Zion and Jerusalem there will be deliverance. And they think that this actually means the physical nation of Israel, the, the temple itself and the, the mountain there. And so they say that it should be the job of the church to shape up our government so that we can help Israel be Jesus' earthly kingdom again. But this makes the Bible, and Joel specifically, about the church and what it should do. And it makes the church, not Jesus, the hope of the world. That means the Holy Spirit needs me to help. It teaches that we can see and feel the Holy Spirit working. 
And so what you have is bad theology that's being used not only as a tactic in order to, to scare Christians into being evangelists and scare people into believing, but also influence politics in our nation. This is law-driven theology. And it completely misses Joel's point. The point of Joel is not me or what the church needs to do. <clears throat> the point of Joel is what the Holy Spirit has done, is doing, and will do for the church. Not always in great visible signs and wonders, but also through hidden means. See, what Joel does is when he talks about the end of the world is that he starts with Pentecost. And we know this about Pentecost and the work of the Holy Spirit because in Acts 2, our epistle lesson from today, in answer to those who thought they were drunk because they were speaking in other languages, Peter quotes from this section of Joel and he says that on the day of Pentecost, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is the fulfillment of Joel. And neither Joel nor Peter divide Pentecost and the end of the world, the last days. In fact, Joel doesn't even divide up the people, the church of that time, the church of our time, or the church to come. All are one. All are the communion of saints. And we are all living in the last days. We are living in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. And so what happened at Pentecost? The Holy Spirit came with a sound of wind, with fire, and with the speaking of tongues. And why those things? Wind is how the Holy Spirit works. You can't see wind, right? But you can hear it. Anyone who looks for the Holy Spirit to communicate in visible signs like blood moons will be disappointed because the Holy Spirit speaks words. Yes, the same, the same seemingly mundane words printed in your Bibles, and yes, even the same boring words spoken each Sunday by your pastor. Fire is what the Holy Spirit does. He purges sinful hearts like fire purges metal. He purges us of our false belief, despair, and other great shame and vice. Other tongues are who the word of the Spirit is for. For all sinners of every nation under heaven. Joel says it like this. After this, I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on the servants, both male and female, I will pour out my Spirit in those days. In other words, all people... Joel uses every extreme to encompass every member of the human race. Males, females, old, young, slaves, free. Every kind of division. Race, age, gender, social standing, nationality, everything is included. There is not one person whom the gospel is not for. We don't need to look for a future time when the gospel will be uh, preached to all nations. Because it's been happening since Pentecost. At Pentecost, the gospel did go out into all the world through the languages of those who were there. We are living in the last days. We have been since Pentecost. 
It has nothing to do with the rare blood moon on whatever day and whatever year. And in fact, the coming of the Holy, the, the, the last days, have nothing to do with me or any other person. Not even our evangelism or mission work will make the Lord come again any sooner. It has nothing to do with me. And this is the point of Pentecost. The work of the Holy Spirit has nothing to do with me. This is why the Holy Spirit came with a sound of wind, flames of fire, and allowed them to speak in other tongues. God has poured out His Holy Spirit. And God gives His people not just signs, not just things, but Himself in the third person of the Trinity. Through baptism, God pours out His Spirit into us, giving us, creating in us new life. He sustains us and He keeps us in His Word and His sacraments in the Christian faith until He comes again. And He does this just as He calls the entire Christian church. And all of this means that it's not up to me. It's not up to me to figure out what He's saying by looking for signs because God's already said it in His Word. And His Word is so powerful that it converts dead sinners to be made alive. That means it's not up to me to accept the Holy Spirit because He alone purges my heart. He alone creates faith. And that means that the Holy Spirit, God, will come again because He's already fulfilled all His promises. He doesn't need me to make sure they happen. All this is to say that this is why we confess these words every week. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. And what we mean by this is that I cannot, by my own reason or strength, believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to Him. But the Holy Ghost has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with His gifts, sanctified and kept me in the one true faith, just as He calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth and keeps it with Jesus Christ in the one true faith. In this Christian church, He daily and richly forgives me and all believers all our sins, and at the last day will raise up me and all the dead and will grant me and all believers in Christ eternal life. This is most certainly true. Pentecost is about the birth, life, and the end of the church on earth. Everything from beginning to end and everything and everyone in between is accomplished and saved by the Holy Spirit through the words of Jesus. My new birth of faith has nothing to do with my will. My relationship and standing with God has nothing to do with what I do. Through the Holy Spirit, we are not under the law, but under grace. The Spirit frees us to not worry about our standing with God because He's done it all so that we can go out and be free to serve our neighbor. Because finally, my end, my eternal life, has nothing to do with me either. And so we do evangelize, we do spread the gospel of Jesus, not out of fear, not because we need to improve our standing before God or to make Jesus return to take us to heaven. We evangelize because our neighbor needs it. We have the most amazing 
and comforting message, the message of eternal freedom and life in Christ. And our neighbors are hurting. They are unsure of what their future holds. We are not. And so we preach the gospel not for my sake or for God's, but for my neighbor. Pentecost teaches us that the birth, life, and the end of the church on earth has nothing to do with me, but that the Holy Spirit has everything to say for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be forevermore. Amen.